Good morning. So how are your communication skills? You know, so much of life is impacted, your success and your satisfaction is impacted by your ability to communicate with other people. Your income, your influence, your career, your relationships, so many areas have to do with how well we do two things. How well we listen and how well we speak. If you want to have better relationships, if you just want to have a better life in general, you need to get better at those two skills, listening and speaking. And if you're not getting better at speaking and you're not getting better at listening, then your relationships in life will just kind of flatline. I think this stuff is extremely important. So this morning, we are starting a new series. We are calling it, Talking With Your Kids About the Important Stuff. Now when you hear that, don't make the mistake of thinking that I'm just going to be talking to parents. I am talking to grown-up kids too. Because everything we're talking about has to do with relationships. It has huge implications for all of us. So whether you're a sister or a brother or a grandparent or a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a friend, a coworker, relationship skills touch every single one of us. You know, I believe all of us can improve our relationship skills. And look at it this way. You're not going to have to go and spend an entire Saturday at some place that uh, tells you, you know, six ways to improve your communication skills and shell out $300. It's free with Dennis. Isn't that great? So in this series, we're going to cover a number of topics that obviously have to do with parenting and relationships. And we're going to you know, talk about things like discipling your kids and helping your kids choose their friends and bullying. But I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask everybody to send me, and my email is on the bottom screen there. I want to ask you to send me some topics that you would like me to cover in this series. And just kind of put them in a list of importance and email that to me. And also, I'd like to hear from our students too. What are some topics that you would like to hear me cover in this series? And some of these topics may appear in the series ahead. So this morning, we're going to begin with six pointers on being a good listener. Here's the thing. Communication is a two-way street. And whether you're talking to your spouse or you are talking with your kids, if you don't listen to them, they're not going to listen to you. So listening is kind of the foundation for everything that we're going to be talking about in this series. So this morning, we're going to begin with listening. And during this series, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the book of Proverbs. If there was ever a book that had a lot to do, a lot to say about communication, it would be the book of Proverbs. Proverbs talks about relationships, it talks about wisdom, it talks about listening and speaking. Do you know how many times the book of Proverbs tells us to listen well? 25 times 
in the book of Proverbs, God says to us, listen well. I want you to learn how to listen. So this morning, I've kind of got a little acrostic, and it's not original to me, but I'm going to take the word listen, and I'm going to give you kind of six keys or six pointers on how to listen well. The first one is this. The L stands for look at them with love. Whenever you're going to have a conversation with a child, whenever you're going to have a conversation with your spouse or maybe an ex or somebody you work with, it all starts with love. If you don't have love, you will never have good communication. You know, the Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. The phrase, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, what it's saying is, if I were an outstanding speaker, I mean, I was just the greatest speaker there was from a human standpoint. I was eloquent. I mean, I was so good that it sounded like angels were talking to you. God says it doesn't matter if you don't have love. It doesn't matter if you don't have love. You know, sometimes I talk to pastors, sometimes I talk to Sunday school teachers, and they'll say something to me like, you know, I just love to preach. And that's great, it is. I'm glad they love to preach. But you know, you can love to preach, but do you love your people? I mean, you can get up and just like the attention of preaching. Maybe you're a ham and, and that part of it appeals to you. Maybe you like the adrenaline rush. But what really matters when you're loving to preach is also, or you love to teach, do you love people? Because that's how preaching and teaching count, if you love people. Otherwise, the Bible says, you're just noise. You're just noise. So that brings us to the question, how do you communicate love in a conversation? You know, if you've ever been on a date, you know what it's like to look at somebody in in their eyes, or if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. We communicate through our eyes. And you know when you're dating, and, and maybe you're talking to somebody, and, and you know it's kind of a serious conversation, and, and you know, you're kind of bearing your soul, and they're looking at the picture on the wall, or they're looking at somebody else walking through the restaurant, and it doesn't feel too good, does it? But when they're looking you in the eyes and you're having a serious conversation, maybe when you were dating, you had those goo-goo eyes for each other, that feels good. We communicate a lot with our eyes. Your eyes are a powerful tool for showing love. And if you're going to have an important conversation with your children, you're going to have an important conversation with a spouse or a coworker. You need to look at them in the eyes. Not your cell phone. Don't be looking at your cell phone. Don't be looking at your tablet. Not your laptop. Not be preoccupied with something on TV. But you look at that person. Look them in the eyes. Because you know what that means? You're telling them you love them. 
because you're paying attention to them. When you're paying attention to someone, you are telling them that you love them. I told you we would spend a lot of times in Proverbs, but I want you to know that several times today, we're going to look at Jesus. And we're going to look at some ways that Jesus modeled loving and listening well. You may remember over in the, uh, in the book of Mark, this rich man comes to Jesus, and he wants to know how to have eternal life. And so Jesus is having a conversation with him. And so he looks at this, this wealthy man, this rich man, this professional, and he says to him, in Mark chapter 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus had genuine love for this guy as he looks right at him. You notice that phrase there? He looked and he loved. Great communication starts with face-to-face, sit-down conversation. The way you look at somebody, the way you love somebody. Otherwise, they're probably not really going to listen to you. Now, can you hear something and not listen to it? Sure you can. It's called high school math class, right? Wah, 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 6x plus times 8y, wah, 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 wah. And you hear it, but you're not listening to it. And I think guys are particularly good at this. You know, we'll, we'll hear stuff, but we're not really listening Like your wife comes in and she says, honey, the baby has jungle rot. Oh, well, that's nice. And we're not listening. Or our kids come up and they're like, hey, dad, can I have the car keys? Sure. And then they walk out the door going, man, I get to be the first sixth grader in the neighborhood to go driving. You can hear. Everybody can hear. But not everybody listens well. The Bible tells us to be a skilled listener. Listen to this Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both. In other words, God has given us eyes to see and ears to listen with. Did you notice what's not mentioned here? He doesn't say anything about the mouth. In communication, our ears and our eyes matter more than we might think. He says you've got eyes, you've got ears. These are nonverbal cues that really matter when you're communicating with people. How many eyes did God give you? Two. How many ears did he give you? Two. How many mouths do you have? One. Maybe that should tell us something. Maybe we should listen and look twice as much as we talk. You remember when we did the series, Kind Words Are Cool, back last fall, kind of when school was, school was tardy, starting, and we talked about James chapter 119, when he says everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. We don't listen enough, most of us. We talk too much, but we don't listen enough. Why is it you think that we tend to sometimes talk too much? I think it's because we tend to like to hear ourselves and we're more in love with ourselves than we are other people. So we like to hear ourselves talk. 
And God kind of warns of, us of this over and over in the book of Proverbs. There are at least 10 different times God tells us there's a problem with talking too much. And I'm just going to share a few of those Proverbs with you this morning. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth. What does it say? Shut. Yeah, because the more you talk, the law of averages say sooner or later, you're going to say something dumb. Proverbs 13.3. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Yeah. How many of us have done that? Open our mouth too much, talk about stuff we really don't know anything about, and, and just, just ruin it. Or how about Proverbs 18, 21? Those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. You ever had to do that? Last one, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Don't associate with a person whose mouth is always open. Why? Because they're going to get you in trouble. Stay away from people who talk too much. So that's the first skill. The second one, the I, is listen, is invest as much time as needed. If you're going to learn to be an expert listener, you not only have to look at them in love, but you invest in them with as much time as needed. Folks, you cannot listen well If you're in a hurry. Let me repeat that. You cannot listen well. If you are in a hurry. You're never going to be a great listener. If you're in a hurry. Great listening. Takes time. You know a great illustration of this is Job. Most of you probably remember the story of Job. Job is is this wealthy man, scripture tells us he was one of the wealthiest men in all the ancient Near East, all kinds of barns, crops, camels, livestock, houses. He had a wonderful family. And then you may remember it was all taken away from him. Everything, he had lost everything. And so over in the book of Job, chapter two, verses 11 through 13, Job is having having this conversation. And verse 11 says this. When Job's three close friends heard of the tragedy that Job had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes. Did you notice these people don't even live in the same town as Job? So they've come to see Job during this time of tragedy. We pick it up again. They traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. And then they sat on the ground with Job silently for seven days and nights. And no one said a word. For they saw that his suffering was too great for words. Now this passage is kind of packed with some truths here. And I want to call your attention to two of them. What these guys did is called the ministry of presence you know one of the things that i've learned from men that are a lot more gifted with the gift of mercy than i am is that when you're dealing with people that are grieving when you're dealing with people that are really hurting the more hurt they are the deeper the hurt the fewer words that you use 
You know, if somebody's having a bad hair day, that's happened into a lot of us because you can't get your hair cut. If uh, you're, somebody's feeling kind of puny, I mean, you can talk to people about those kind of things. But when something really bad has happened, they've lost a loved one. They've lost a job that they've worked at for 20 years. A spouse walks out. The deeper the pain, the fewer words you use. You know, I have people say this to me sometimes, and I know a lot of us feel this. I don't know how to react to a person in crisis. I don't know what to say. Don't say anything. Just be there. A person once told me a long time ago, show up and shut up. That sounds a little bit coarse, but you understand what they're saying. You know, sometimes we don't go see somebody that's in a, in a bad spot or we know that they're grieving or they're really hurting because we're afraid we don't know what to say. Don't say anything. It's not like you can fix the situation by some magic words that you're going to say. Just go and be there. Don't try to talk them out of the pain. Just show up. That ministry of presence and the fewer words you use. But I want you to notice something else about these guys. They didn't say a thing, but what did they do? They invested their time. How many days did it say they were there? Seven days. Seven days. They sat on the ground. So how many people in your life have you went and sat on the ground with for seven days? And they didn't say a word. That's the mark of a true friend. You know, Judaism has an interesting practice. It's called Sit Sheva. And I hope I'm saying that right. And whatever you do, don't try to say that three or four times in a row really fast because it'll get you in trouble. But anyway, it's just the practice after an immediate family member dies, the whole family, for lack of a better term, kind of quarantines themselves in a house for seven days. And they just grieve together. They're investing in each other. They're investing time. Because you can't listen in a hurry. You just have to be there. And when the time's right, they'll say something. So I is invest as much time as needed. So the S in listen, number three. Listen to share their feelings, not your solution. Share your feelings, not your solution. You know, a lot of times we have a conversation with a child or we have a conversation with, with a spouse or a friend who's had, you know, a really bad day. Child's had a bad day at school. Spouse has a bad day at, at work. And what's the first thing we tend to do? Just it's a human nature kind of thing. We want to fix their problem. We all want to be fixers. But I really think God, before we fix stuff, God would like for us to be a feeler. We are much better when we empathize, empathize and we feel people's pain than we are when we just try to fix the problem. Understanding and feeling what they're feeling before we try to fix it makes a big 
deal in your communication with people. How many times does a child or a teenager come to us and, and there's a problem? And we remember when it was a big problem for us when we were that age, but because we're not that age anymore and we've matured a little bit, you know, it, it's no big deal. And so we just kind of blow them off as, well, that's not really that big of a deal. You know how it goes. Your daughter walks in, your teenage daughter, and tears are rolling down her face. Dad, John broke up with me. And we're like, well, honey, you know, we're just real sympathetic, you know. Hey, there are lots of fish in the ocean. Don't worry about it. And then we wonder why the tears that are coming down the eyes cascade into sobs. <laughs> because we're not sympathetic. We're not hearing them. We're not hearing their feelings. It's very unloving because it's a big deal to them. And if you love them, it becomes a big deal to you. And you share your feelings, not just your solutions. I think men in particular, guys, I think we're just bad at this. I think we just always want to fix things. I didn't understand this for a lot of years with, with my wife, Renee. You know, she would come to me with a problem, and I'd be just like, well, you know, you just do this, and you just do that. You know, I'd listen to her about two or three sentences. You do this and do this, and you talk to this person, make this phone call, and, and problem is solved. I learned much later in life, she just wants to talk about them. And she just wants me to go, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Wow. I can see why you're so frustrated. I can understand why that's such a big deal. I understand what you're discouraged about. I, I get it. Whoa, we, that is such a problem, Renee. Man, oh man, is that a problem? Probably shouldn't exaggerate that so much, should I? <laughs> I might be lucky to get a sandwich when I get home today. But that's what we do, and obviously I was exaggerating. But men and women can do this too. You typically, we want to be fixers. And when we start fixing, we're doing what? We're opening the mouth, and then we're what? We're not listening anymore. We all do it. Somebody comes with a problem, four or five sentences into it, you're trying to give them a solution. But people want to be understood. People don't care what you know until they know that you care. They want to feel loved. They want to, feel, they want to be understood. They want to feel validated. They want their feelings validated. Yeah, I get it. I see what's bothering you. Yeah, I understand why you're frustrated. If I was in your shoes, I think I would feel the same way. We need to share their feelings, not just offer solutions. Proverbs 18.13 puts it this way. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Another translation puts it this way, and this is great. Anyone who answers quickly without listening is first both foolish, and that word shame there can be translating insulting. So when you talk, try to answer without really listening, it says you're actually insulting that person in addition to being foolish. That's what we do when we try to fix without listening. Just don't go into fix-it mode. Listen 
And you know what happens a lot of times, and I know some of you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. When you listen to somebody, a lot of times, that's the healing process. They just need somebody to listen. Have you ever sat down and listened like somebody for 15 or 20 minutes? They just go and they go and they talk and they talk and they get done and they go, wow, thank you so much. And you're like, I didn't say anything. But you were listening and that's what they needed. Listening can be the healer. And you know, Jesus gives us a great example of, of, of listening and not trying to fix the problem, not offering a solution but listening. I think most of you remember the story about Lazarus. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best friends. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus were three of his best friends. And they lived in Bethany. And so oftentimes in Scripture, we read that Jesus would go to see them in Bethany. You may remember on Palm Sunday that we talked about that Friday night before the Sabbath there. And then, of course, on Palm Sunday, on Sunday, that Jesus went to Bethany to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So Jesus is, is about a half a day away from Bethany. And he receives word that Lazarus is deathly sick. So he's a half a day away, but do you know how long it takes him to get there? Three days. It takes him three days. But Jesus has a reason for this. Because he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And that's going to glorify God, and that's going to also show that he is the son of God. So he already knows the solution. But I want you to notice what happens... When he gets there, he doesn't offer his solution right away. Notice what happens in John chapter 11, verses 32 through 36. Lazarus has died. It's been three days. He's in a tomb. And we pick up the story. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words... Jesus, you could have stopped this. Jesus, we know that you could have healed my brother, but you didn't get here in time. And because of that, he's dead. He's in a tomb. If you'd have been here, it would have been different. So the story continues in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Verse 34, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. I want you to notice a little phrase there in verse 33. Deeply moved. What does that mean? He's sharing their feelings. And then you get to verse 35 and you have the shortest verse in all of scripture. Jesus wept. Verse 36, and the Jews said, see how he loved him. Jesus wept. He was deeply moved. He cared about this person. Everybody saw Jesus weep. Now think about this. Jesus already knew the solution when he arrived. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he doesn't say that. He loves on these people. He weeps with these people. He doesn't offer solutions. 
He doesn't say, hey, you guys, stop your grieving. I know what I'm doing. I'm fixing to raise him from the dead. Stop it. No, he doesn't do that. He realizes they are grieving, and he grieves with them. What's he doing? He's showing sympathy and empathy and compassion. He knows the solution, but he doesn't try to fix it. He shows emotion and listens. If you will hold off on trying to be a fixer and hold off on trying to give everybody the solution, you will be a great listener. That's how you become a great listener. Look at them with love. Invest time. Let them share their feelings and not offer solutions immediately. Here's number four. The T stands for tune in to any fear or hurt beneath the words. You know, sometimes what people are feeling is more important in a conversation than what they are saying. Sometimes they're saying things that aren't exactly what they're feeling and there's something underneath. And if you're going to be a great listener, sometimes you have to get past their words, past the things that they're saying. Because sometimes they can be very offensive because they're hurt or because they're fearful or because they're frustrated. Oftentimes when people are angry, they're either frustrated, they're fearful, or they're hurt. And it's a lot easier to deal with people when you know that they're frustrated, they're hurt, or they're fearful than it is when they're angry. I mean, I'm not very sympathetic, and I bet you're not very sympathetic either when people are angry with you, right? I mean, when people are angry with you, a lot of times you don't care why they're angry, right? I mean, like people are stomping your feelings, and people are yelling and screaming at you. What do you want to do? Like you want to yell and scream back, right? But if somehow you can kind of try to listen, and you can kind of move past the yelling and the fact that they're hurting your feelings, and they're saying offensive things to you, A lot of times if you can move past that and figure out what the emotion is behind what they're saying, you can be a great communicator. You can be a great listener. That's what you have to do sometimes. You have to ignore the words. You have to look at the emotion and say, what's going on? Where is this intensity coming from? This doesn't seem to be a big deal to me, but clearly it's a big deal to them. I mean, I'm getting pushback and I'm getting blowback. See if you can see what the emotions are behind it. Peter speaks to this over in 1 Peter chapter 3. Be sympathetic, loving each other like a family, and be kind and be humble. You know when you're humble, you're open to new ideas? When you're kind and you're sympathetic and you're loving, that means you're not screaming back. You're not giving blowback. When they're angry at you, you can, say, you can think things like, this isn't really what they're angry about. What are they afraid of? You're being sympathetic. What are they worried about? What are they anxious about? What are they fearful about? What are they frustrated about? What are they hurt about? And if you can tune in to some of that, those things beneath the words, you can be a great listener. Number five, the E in listen stands for engage them with open-ended questions. Now, what's an open-ended question? Well, it's the opposite of a closed-ended question. 
A closed-ended question usually requires a one-word answer. Uh, a lot of times it's just yes or no. So did you have a good day at school today? Ever had this happen? Have a good day at school? Yes or They'll say yes or no. And you can't get anything else out of your child because you asked a yes or a no, a closed-ended question. Ask an open-ended question. Where were you on Friday night? That's an open-ended question. Rather than, did you do this Friday night? Well, that's a closed-ended question. They're going to say yes or no. If you're going to be a great listener, stop asking your children and your students closed-ended questions. And this goes for any relationship. Those kinds of questions are not helpful. Instead of saying, how was school today? And they say, fine. What did you do at school today? What did you have at for lunch today? What did you guys talk about in history class today? What kind of games did you play in PE class today? Or they come home from the ball game. Well, who won the game? We did, and they walk out of the room. What are some better questions? Well, tell me who scored. What was your favorite play tonight? Tell me some of your friends that were there. And you're asking open-ended questions. Do you have homework? They'll give you a yes or no answer. What if you say, what is your homework tonight? And then you can build on the conversation. Well, do you need some help with that? What kind of books? Do you need the computer? Those types of things. And if you want to understand your kids, you want to understand your teenager, you want to understand your spouse, a friend, stop asking close-ended questions. Ask questions that require more than one word. Questions that necessitate some thought rather than yes or no. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 5 says this eloquently. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. You understand what that verse is saying? If you want to know what people are thinking, use insight, use good open-ended questions among other things to draw things out of them. And you want to know what a magic phrase is for this kind of stuff? Tell me more. Just use that phrase. They start telling you about something and they stop and you, they're going to maybe walk out of the conversation. Well, tell me a little bit more. And then you can just keep doing that. So how was your vacation? Well, I went to Yellowstone, blah, blah, blah. Well, tell me a little bit more. Well, we did this and we did that. We went skiing. Well, tell me, how, how was the ski slope? Tell me a little bit more. And you just keep with the tell me some more. And what are you doing? You're telling them that you love about them. You love them. You're getting deeper and deeper into the conversation. You're letting them know that you care. Tell me a little bit more about your day. Tell me a little bit more about what happened at school. Just tell me more. And you're telling them, I'm really interested. Sometimes people are like, you know, drawing water. You got to draw it out of a well. And you do that by asking them open-ended questions. Learn to be patient. The last one is this. The in and listen is never judge until you have all the facts. That'll make you a great listener. Have you ever fallen into that trap of making judgment calls before you know the facts? I think a lot of us have done that. God tells us don't make snap judgments. Keep an open mind. Don't be presumptuous. Don't assume don't assume that you have a clear picture before you know all the facts. You know, one of, my, uh, one of my boys, when he was younger, and he's an artist now, that'll tell you something, but he would just doodle on the bulletin all through the church services. 
I mean, just draw constantly. And I used to get so frustrated at first because I was thinking, he's not listening to a word I say. He's not listening to a word his teachers say. Because he'd come home and his bulletin would be covered with all these action figures and stuff that he was drawing all over the bulletin. And then we'd sit down for lunch and he could tell me everything I said. Everything. He didn't draw any notes. He just drew pictures. But apparently that's how he listened well, by doodling. And he'd tell me a lot more about what I said than the other kids that were listening. But I was making a snap judgment that he's just goofing off and he wasn't listening to the sermon. So I think that's a good lesson for all of us. When you hear something and that emotion's starting to rise and you're going to be for or against something, stop. Am I listening? Do I have all the facts? Don't prematurely evaluate. Don't prejudge something. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 13 and then 15. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Verse 15. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. You know how else you could translate this? What a shame. How stupid to decide before you know the facts. A person with understanding gets the facts... And a wise person listens more. And the more you listen, the more you learn. Don't judge until you have all the facts. So those are six great pointers for being a good listener. So I want to give you a homework assignment. It's actually twofold. Only one of them is going to show up on your screen. But the first one is this. Pick out out of this six... Of those six things, what do you think you need to work on the most? And then try to work on it this week. Just one. Don't overwhelm yourself. Just one. I think all of us could find at least one. If you're really perfect, good for you. But for most of us, I think we'll find one. And then the second one is this. Ask your spouse which one of these things you need to work on. Be interesting to see if they match up. And if you're really brave... Ask your children, what does dad need to work on? What does mom need to work on? And if they think that they can say it, they'll let you know. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come to you today. and Father, we just thank you for the book of Proverbs. It's a, a book that we don't often study just because of the way it's laid out, but it's just a wealth of information. Of course, we thank you for the wonderful examples that Jesus models for us and loving on people and, and just pouring love into people. And Father, I, I just pray for this series. This is just stuff where we all live. We, we, we're all involved in relationships. And this is stuff that can strengthen our relationships and strengthen marriages and strengthen things with our children, our relationships with our children, and build friendships and make us better co-workers. But if we just listen to it, it's not going to make any difference. We have to put it into practice. I just pray for all the folks that are watching today. Help them to put some of this stuff into practice. God, thank you for loving us and, and giving us these guidelines. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.